0: Sing great. Welcome to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. We're glad you've joined us, and we look forward to spending time again in the Word of God together. We also invite you to stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast for information about additional studies and resources. Thanks again for being with us. During the reign of Antichrist, he'll exercise control on an unprecedented scale, even applying a mark with which and only with which people can buy or sell. What is the cost of this mark of allegiance? We'll learn more today, joining Pastor Phil in Revelation chapter 13. Let's listen.
1: There's no chance, no hope of a person who takes this little device, whatever it might be, of ever going to heaven. You say, well, that's kind of weird. We know that's true because Revelation 14 verses 9 and 10 tell us anyone who takes the mark is going to be cast into hell. Now look, I've heard testimonies from people who have murdered people and have gotten saved. God can forgive murder. He can't forget putting a little chip under your skin. I don't get that. Well, maybe it's not that God can't forgive you. Maybe it's that you don't have a free will anymore to ask for forgiveness. That this thing will somehow, you know, and the technology keeps evolving. By the time the Antichrist shows up and people are given this, and I think it's probably going to be a microchip, Will it have the ability not only to track you, no matter where you are in the face of the earth, but will it have the ability to somehow send a, some kind of electronic pulse into your brain to block out that part of your brain where your free will is located? I don't know. Something interesting to think about. As far as living under this kind of a totalitarian regime, and don't forget now, if you're following the Antichrist, you've got no problems. If you're a believer during this time, you've got big problems. And I'm convinced, of course, many believers are going to flee to the wilderness. They're going to try to live off the land. But I was, as I was doing this study, I came across a little testimony from a man who had lived under Bulgaria's communist regime. Listen to what he said and think that, you know, as you read, listen to this, you can see how the Antichrist is going to affect the whole world at one point. He said you cannot understand and you cannot know that the most terrible instrument of persecution ever devised is an innocent little ration card. You cannot buy and you cannot sell except according to that little innocent card. If they please, they can starve you to death. And if they please, you can can be dispossessed of everything you own. For you cannot trade and you cannot buy and you cannot sell without permission, without that little card. Now that's already happened, folks. That's already happened in, in this world. And you can see it happening all over again through the Antichrist. All right, well, let's finish up. Verse 18. And here we go, right? Verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Now, people that don't know anything about the Bible know about 666. And I don't think there's any other portion of Revelation that has so intrigued people for so many centuries than this little verse right here. I mean, people have speculated about this for centuries. Of course, many believe, and I think that they're probably accurate, that the whole thing is based on what's called gametria. Uh, gametria is, uh, is the, um, the use of um, letters to represent numbers. Uh, we know that in Greek, uh, in Hebrew, uh, in Latin, uh, there might be some other languages, but those three for sure, uh, they don't have numbers. They use letters for numbers. You've all seen the Roman numerals, right? The Latin, you know, that represent numbers. Um, So it's, you know, people have said, all right, well, uh, let's take this person's name. And if it's in Greek, it's easy. Or if it's in Latin or whatever. Uh, If it's in English, you just have to take the letters. And, you know, there are corresponding letters in the Greek and so on. And you have to figure out what the letters. So Phil, you'd have to take the letters in English and, and transliterate them into Greek and then add up the number equivalent, right? So people have done this. Well, the problem is, you know, if you try hard enough, almost anybody's name equals 666. I mean, you know, it gets a little crazy, you know? I mean, Uh, people say, you know, uh, this person's the antichrist. How do you know that? Well, you take his age divided by his shirt size, uh, times his age. And that's it, man. It's six, 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 you know, it gets a little nutty. I mean, you know, people have come up with all kinds of people that are the antichrist based on some tortured mathematics, um, but, you know, Nero has been called the Antichrist. His name is 666, Caligula, Domitian, Napoleon, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin. I mean, it's quite a list. Here's the problem. The Antichrist has not yet revealed. Him. He might be alive right now. He might not be. But he is, if he is alive, he has not revealed himself. And the scripture here is telling us that the generation that th- when this man finally shows up, and he's not going to show up, I don't think, as the Antichrist day one. He's going to show up as an individual that is going to slowly work into this, I think. I think he might be around today as some world leader. And if God said, oh, he's over there, we would say, him? Wow. You know, we somebody that we know, right? But the idea is we're not going to be able to figure out who this guy is until he shows up. So... Any speculation about, you know, first of all, the Antichrist's future. To, to go back and say Nero or Caligula, those were in the past. When you were living in the days of Nero, I could say how the Christians could have thought this guy's the Antichrist, and they did. They thought Mussolini in World War II was the false prophet, and Hitler was the Antichrist. But one of the church fathers, Arrhenius, he cautioned against speculating about the identity of this person associated with this number until this person arrives on the scene. So we just waste our time, is what I'm saying, you know? We just waste our time trying to figure out who this person is. I like what Daniel said in Daniel 12, verse 10. About this time, many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. In other words, this guy's going to fool the wicked, but he's not going to fool the believers because they're going to have wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know, hey, let's check this guy's name. Yeah, this guy's name is six, adds up to 666, and he's acting like the Antichrist. You know, I've never thought about, I don't know why I've never thought about this, but Henry Morris in his commentary on Revelation said something that I thought, wow, I never thought about that. Let me read it to you. He said, the concluding verse of this amazing chapter of revelation is most intriguing. It is as though John were posing a puzzle, a challenge that would help people determine the identity of the beast. Once the tribulation begins, however, there will be no question as to the as to his identity, since uh, it is he who will make a seven-year covenant with Israel. I thought, yeah, duh, yeah. So obviously, this is not something that people need to rely on after the covenant is signed with Israel. Everyone's going to know as a believer, this is the Antichrist. Of course, we're hoping we're out of here. And those that are left who become believers, they will know that this guy is the Antichrist based on you know, Daniel 9. So it can't really be for them, this little puzzle. It's got to be for Christians before the rapture. Morris goes on to say, Therefore John evidently intended this clue for his initial readers in the seven churches of Asia, and therefore for all other believers before the is rapture prior to the beginning of the tribulation period. All of this suggests that whenever a, a particularly popular leader begins to figure prominently in world affairs, especially if, he's, if he is anti-Christian in his thinking and counsel, Christians would be well advised... He's talking about church Christians now, who are on the earth before the rapture, of course. He's talking about us figuring this out. Christians would be well advised to count the number of his name. Then if that number turns out to be 666, they should be extremely careful not to be influenced by him and try to warn others uh, of his possible satanic associations, end quote. So even before... The rapture of the church, I think God is, John is trying to tell us, look, Christians, you still have some unfinished business here. And we read Revelation as if it's all about another generation, another group of people we are out of here. Well, yeah, we are going to be out of here for, you know, most all of it. But before the rapture, John tells us, I'm telling you guys to keep an eye out for somebody whose name is going to add up to 666, who's going to have the attributes of the leaders that I've you know, told you about so that you can begin to tell people even before the church is taken out of here this guy is, you know he's evil, this guy fits the criteria of the Antichrist alright done with that, let me just take the last few minutes to talk about the one world government next week or the week after I'd like to talk about the one world religion, I think you'll find that interesting uh, I hope you find this interesting when we talk about, or when people hear the Bible talk about a one-world government, many people scoff at that. They have for a long time. They say things like that will never happen. You guys are crazy. You know, you're thinking that the world is, I mean, every nation is going to come together in a one-world government that's nuts. You guys are out to lunch and so on. Well, you know, I've been gathering just some articles lately. This, and You can find hundreds of articles on the, on the web that have been written over the years, especially lately. I'm going to read you just portions of a few. Uh, One that appeared just a few weeks ago, titled, Will Secret Clubs Pick the Next President? The uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderbergers, Trilateral Commission insiders usually run for and win White House, uh, a new book says. It started in 1952. Nearly every person elected as president of the United States since then and nearly every opponent has belonged to a secretive globalism-oriented organization known as the Council on Foreign Relations. Some presidents and their challengers have belonged to additional clubs of internationalists, the Bilderberg, uh, the Bilderberg group, and the Trilateral Commission. Running mates too more often than not, have had ties to the groups. That the groups exert enormous influence on public policy is indisputable. What is disputed is whether such groups are, as adherents and members argue, just discussion forums for movers and shakers, or, as critics have long alleged, secret societies shaping a new world order from behind the scenes." On that last point, at least, no one can challenge the critics. All these groups operate in considerable secrecy, away from the scrutiny of the American public. Now, there's a num- number of books that have come out lately. This article happened to be built around uh, one of those books by Daniel Estelin, uh called The True Story of the Bilderberg Group. The article says David Rockefeller, whose family financed the Council of, on Foreign Relations, is a common denominator among these parallel groups, writes Estelin. Not only is he the Council on Foreign Relations Chairman Emeritus, but he also continues to provide financial and personal support to the Trilateral Commission, the CFR, and the Bilderberg Group. What is the agenda behind these groups? Which are com- comprised of self interested elitists protecting their own wealth and the investments of multinational banks and corporations in the growing world economy at the expense of developing nations and third world countries. Well, he says the policies they develop benefit them as well as move us toward a one world government. Those questioning Estlund's conclusions as mere speculation, not, not everybody agrees that this is even true. A lot of people think it's just another conspiracy theory. But the evidence is mounting more and more. It's getting hard to deny something is going on. But those questioning Estillin's conclusions as mere speculation need only recall organizational financier David Rockefeller's own words as recorded in his memoirs. These folks are getting kind of bold. They're printing books about what their plans are. Rockefeller said in his own memoirs, and I quote him, Some even believe that we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, a one-world government. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and am proud of it, end quote. So this guy's pretty bold. Yeah, we're doing it. So what? What are you going to do about it? Kind of thing. It's in your face. January 16th of this year, article entitled, Seven-Year Plan Aligns U.S. With, the, uh, with Europe's Economy, says six U.S. senators and 49 house, mem- uh, house members are advisors for a group working toward a transatlantic common market between the U.S. and U- the European Union by 2015. The plan, currently being implemented by the Bush administration with the formation of the Transatlantic Economic Council, formed April of 07, appears to be following a plan written in 1939 by a world government advocate who sought to create a transatlantic union as an international governing body. An economist from the World Bank has argued in print that that the formation of the transatlantic common market is designed to follow the blueprint of Jean Monnet, a key intellectual architect of the European Union, recognizing that economic integration must inevitably lead to political integration. So first, we link with the other countries based on economics, but that's only the first step. Then we link politically, borders come down, and now we're one big country. In a publication called the August Review, and I'll I'll just read just a couple more minutes because you could run this down on your own. I, I know not everybody's as interested in this as I am, but in a publication called the August Review, an article entitled Toward a North American Union, it says the global elite through the direct operations of President Bush and his administration are creating a North American Union that will combine Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. into a super state called the North American Union. There is no legislation or congressional oversight, much less public support, for this massive restructuring of the U.S. Its primary perpetrators are mostly members of the Trilateral Commission founded in 1973 to foster a new international economic order. Well, in an article by Jerome Kersey uh, just this month, he said Republican State Representative Stephen Sandstrom. See, some politicians are waking up. And now they're trying to fight this thing. One of them is this Republican state Repu- uh, Republican state representative Stephen Sandstrom, who introduced House Resolution Number no. One to the Utah uh, legislature this week. That would have been the week of February first. After a similar measure passed the House last year by a forty-seven to twenty-four vote, but was blocked by a Senate committee just before the sessions close. I feel confident. We will get this resolution passed this year, Sandstrom told Woolnut Daily. We learned a lot last year about our op- our opponents, and this year we are better prepared to anticipate their legislative moves to block us. The re- resolution reads in part the gradual creation of such a North American Union from a merger of the United States, Mexico, and Canada would be a direct threat to the United Nations Constitution. Did I say say United States Constitution? And the national independence of the United States and would imply an eventual end to national borders within North America. In a speech given in Salt Lake City to to the Utah Eagle Forum, uh, Eagle Forum's annual convention, uh, January 19th of this year, Sandstrom compared the move toward a North American union to the stealth methodology used by corporate elite to move Europe toward the European Union. The 50-year process, these people are very patient, okay? They know they're not going to jam this down our throats all at once. Very patient. It took them 50 years to get Europe to come together as a, the EU, all right? The 50-year process began with the European Coal and Steel Agreement in 1957, While the newspaper articles and reporters published the sequential events of European integration, most people in the European community, nations, thought, ho-hum, no big deal. Sandstrom told the Eagle Forum meeting, as a matter of fact, the Europeans continued to sleep like Gulliver until they were jolted awake when when the euro replaced their national currencies. If you go online this week... Google Amero, and you will find prototypes for an Amero that's going to replace the American dollar that's going to be used like the euro as the currency of Europe. It's going to become the currency of the North American Union. You know, people in Europe, reporters and people were reporting on this stuff like America. You can find this stuff. People are talking about it. And yet, for the most part, people are yawning. You know, it's no big deal. The Europeans did that until they woke up one day and realized they were now a member of the European Union. When the euro was introduced, Sandstrom explained, fortunes were made and lost. Savings were devalued. Prices and commodities were suddenly revalued. Borders essentially evaporated. And individual countries could no longer control their own immigration laws. Even their national flags for which their ancestors had fought and died, were slowly being replaced by the flag of the European community with its 12 golden stars on a blue background. He continued, when that happened, many political leaders and and vast numbers of usurped citizens wanted to stop the pan-European train and get off, but it was too late. He said too late because they were part and parcel of the European Union now and forever. You know, the Antichrist is going to unite the world in a one world government. And I feel it's going to be a 10 region one world government. The North American Union could be one of the regions, the, Amer- the European Union, another region. You'll have 10 regions all over the face of the earth. But globalists have to deal with nationalism. That is the greatest thing standing in the way of a global community. The fact that we have a constitution, that we are nationals, that we have a flag, that this is our nation. They have to somehow brainwash us into thinking that joining with other countries, getting rid of our constitution, dropping our borders, you know, having a common currency, that's in our all of our best interests. How do they do that? They first unite us economically. So first has come what? NAFTA. And after they unite us economically, get us thinking along those lines, then the next step is always to unite us politically. That's when the North American Union is gonna come. And that's just gonna be one more step towards a one world government. So for people who think this is all this weird conspiracy stuff, you better think again. The evidence is really mounting. When we were in Washington, September, or October, September I believe it was, And we were briefed by a bunch of senators and representatives. One of the people was an aide to President Bush. He says, I talk to the president every single day. And one of the pastors asked him about the North American Union. And he told us that's absolutely false. Never in a billion, billion light years would our president ever do something like that. Well, I'd like to think that that's true. And and maybe this stuff, you know... (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it is conspiracy. I know that eventually we are going to be united in a one-world government. I'd like to think our president is not involved right now in bringing about a North American Union. But you know what? Time is going to tell. We know one thing. We are moving towards the final scenario. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility right now to awake out of sleep, to realize our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. To get serious about a relationship with the Lord. To get fired up, to begin to speak, you know, at the people, trying to warn them about what's coming. You know, you guys have been coming to church for years. Many of you studying the Bible, studying Revelation. This is not something new for you. Do you realize? For a lot of people, they've never ever heard any of this. They've never heard about a one-world government, a one-world religion. They, they haven't heard or studied any of this. They don't know about the North American Union. They're so caught up in just making ends meet that honestly, if a North American Union is gonna put more money in my pocket so I can provide for my family, then it's a good thing, isn't it? No, it's not a good thing. If we lose our Constitution, and we're the first generation in the history of our nation that is really in danger of losing our Constitution, if we lose our Constitution, We will never get it back. We will become once and forever until the Lord comes, of course, members of a North American Union. When our Constitution gets thrown out, there goes free speech. There goes freedom of religion. You're not going to be able to speak out against homosexuality, against abortionists. It's already in Canada. Christians up there can't speak out against homosexuals. They can't call homosexuality a sin. They can't say abortion is murder. They will be prosecuted and they will be jailed. And if you don't think it can't happen here, you wait. If this North American Union is a reality and goes through, you are going to see the end of the freedoms that we have known. that take it for granted. So on the one hand, these are exciting days. On the other hand, they are troubling days. i tell you what it does for me. I find myself saying more and more like the Apostle John, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus.
0: You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day.